Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T.org. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. Therefore, everything said here on Anarchy Among Friends Roundtable Discussion is entirely hypothetical. Yeah, I think this is like episode 142. Eight. I think it's one forty eight. I think that's one forty eight. Yeah. Last week was the Ruby Ridge episode, which I really had a hard time going to sleep after that one because those those it's one of the it's one of those things, man. It's one of those things that just it gets to me so bad every time every year every year I see it I know I know it's on the calendar like a month before I see it on the calendar before I flipped up the page I know it's coming. It's like yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, Ruby Ridge. Ruby Ridge is one of those stories too that like you can't talk about it and not just be absolutely furious and utterly heartbroken and just disgusted. And it's it's a complex wave of emotions to go through going through that and trying to go through it and not violate Brandenburg is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we incited any, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we didn't really try not to incite anybody. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. There's no law that says I have to dissuade people from doing things. It's just that I can't encourage them to, and I didn't encourage anybody to do anything. You get to draw your own conclusions. Don't talk about it first, because that counts as premeditated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's an extra charge point. for those playing at home yeah it's, it's an important point uh, speaking of premeditated what's up christopher how's it going guys it's been one hell of a weekend yeah, we just started <laughs> like i just did the brandenburg yep. so you haven't missed anything yet oh perfect i'm right on yep. time then shit yep <laughs> we, spent too, we spent too much time talking about duck calls yeah oh that's <laughs> that's fair by the way um on, on an unrelated note, as far as the premeditated thing goes, 180 grain Hornady XTP hollow points do a number on ground squirrels. <laughs> Why? I mean, I, I know overkill is underrated. I, I, I'm completely on board with overkill is underrated. But you could have used a, a, a like a 22. It's all I had. Oh. All I had was my 10 millimeter AR with me out at my in-laws. Oh, so you so you woke up and chose violence. Yes, yes I did. <laughs> my uh, you my father. So do ground squirrels every day. Right. My <laughs> father-in-law. My father-in-law has been trying to thin out the ground squirrel problem at his property for uh, you know all summer. Oh, uh, we have them. We have them here, and I grew up uh, or where where my childhood home was. Right behind it was a field. Um, that was on and off again used for cattle and uh, we would run it go play and rent all the time my yeah. ankles hate ground squirrels oh god yeah so yeah but uh, so i went down there and i 
did some load testing with my 10 mil and while I was down there, I was like, oh, well, there's one. Wham! <laughs> well, there was there's, one. <laughs> there's part of it there and part of it there and part of it there. It, it looked a lot like Gage uh, Gage's bicep after he ran into Cal Rittenhouse. <sighs> there goes our monetization. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, Andrew, Andrew and I were laughing before the, uh, before the show about, uh, uh, there's a, a 3D print, uh, a concept print. It's, it's not even, it's not, there's like no plans for it yet or nothing, but it's a concept for a 22 suppressor that looks and sounds like those wooden train whistles. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's designed so that you get a <laughs> thunk. <laughs> thunk <laughs> That sounds like way too much fun. That, that's we both want one automatically. We both want one, and we were talking about like being at the range, and you're just like, hoot 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 hoot. <laughs> People in the other bays are looking down there. What the fuck is he shooting? <laughs> you know, I, I was saying, you know, I wonder if you had a large enough caliber and you designed it to the right size, you could get the pressure to drop slow enough that it would go. Hoo. <laughs> <laughs> you have the full-on whistle sound after a shot. Can you imagine being in the woods and just hearing, like, seeing one of your buddies go down, and then. What <laughs> <laughs> is that? <laughs> oh my God! They they radicalized the owls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the birds really are working for the bourgeoisie. Son of a bitch. <laughs> They hacked uh, the drones. Yeah. Well, and I was laughing about the the time that um, one of our buddies, we uh, zip-tied a uh, duck call to his uh, turbo blow-off elf. So oh. every time he shifted, it was... <laughs> but like really high pitch because it's a lot of pressure. So... <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't he didn't realize it until he was in rush hour traffic. So he had to drive like five miles in traffic with every single time he shifted his car quacking very loudly <laughs> well that's uh, like those uh, those party spinners that you can get that clamp onto the end of an exhaust pipe oh so yeah when they take off it's like <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun to do. Uh, that's so many pranks, and it's not like it. Not like it hurt it, his motor or anything else. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just tied to the bluff valve. Yeah, and so it just makes him super embarrassed that his like forty five thousand dollar tuner build is quacking every time he shifts. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. See, that's that's what friends are for, right there. To do shit like that to each other. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, you know, it, it's a little more rude, but I know a buddy of mine, when he got married, they stuck uh, Limburger cheese on his exhaust manifold. Oh, no, that's just cruel. Just so, cruel. Three years later, the wind would be blowing just right. And he'd come up to a stop sign. And, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I hit a I borrowed my my brother's car. To uh, take my mom to the hospital one night, coming back down the hill at like two two o'clock in the morning, two thirty in the morning, middle of summer. This is like late July, and it's like 
one, 105, 108 during the day. Coming back down the hill, I hit a skunk. I didn't, oh. I looked underneath it, I didn't see anything when we got home, right? So I just left it. My brother gets up at five, goes to work, and he calls me at lunchtime. He's just fucking screaming at me, just completely incoherent. His his work had a gravel parking lot, and it was already like 97, 98 degrees yeah. at lunchtime. So, you know, the gravel was like 115, 120. Oh. He said you could smell it in the, in the, in the shop, and no cars parked within like <laughs> six spots of him. <laughs> well, he didn't have to worry about his car getting dinged, at least. He almost he, he said driving at home he, he almost threw up like four times driving at home because <laughs> I can imagine that was pretty horrific. Oh. oh, the only thing that smells you know that I had that told me uh, told to me by a a, a fur trader uh, once uh, like a fur trapper he said uh, you know it smells where the only thing that smells worse than a skunk is a dead skunk and the yeah. only thing that smells worse than that and then he threw the hide at me. And he's like, as he said, wet dead skunk. And it's raining. Yeah, we uh, smacked me in the chest. I'm like, oh god, what? Yeah, he's he gets he gets home right. He he doesn't even he doesn't even turn off the car. He just throws. He just he he opens the door and he Jason. (laughs) I I come outside. He's like, fucking clean this. All right, no problem. You know, it (laughs) it took I took it to the uh, uh, the local uh, car wash place. Um, pressure washed it, pressure washed underneath it. And I, I probably spent a good six or seven dollars worth of quarters pr- <laughs> fresh pressure washing underneath it, and it was so bad. It was so bad that the that the guy that runs the car wash place asked me to never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I am banned from the do-it-yourself car wash place in Orville, California. <laughs> oh, good. I I've never been banned from a car wash. So you got me there. I I got nothing. I got I got banned from the Yuba County Library. That's a <laughs> that's a story I can't tell on the air. <laughs> After show. No, I'm sure I'm not allowed to tell that story at all because she'll kill me. <laughs> My kids' mom and I did not get a lot of time alone. Leave it at that. <laughs> Please don't <come> back. Because <laughs> I had twins. I had twins. So we didn't right. get a lot of time. So when we got time alone. You took advantage of it. Yeah. And I'm not welcome back to the library. <laughs> Apparently the children's story hour reader did not appreciate having to try and read loud enough to be heard over that. <laughs> May have knocked one of the shelves. Oh. Uh... It's a good way to get caught right there. Yeah. So we can talk about Chase Rebellion. Is that what you want to start with? Yeah, we might as well. It's a it's a good story because it reminds people just like the Whiskey Rebellion that uh, the founding fathers were not nearly the great freedom fighters that you think they were. Oh, not at all. And and what what Chase Rebellion leads to is is the big one, like the. The founding fathers initially sucked, right? That was that's a fact. But what they used Shay's rebellion as justification for creating is is the big the big issue. Because like, 
we, we can ju- we can just say it like the, the the founders used Shay's rebellion as justification for usurping the Articles of the Confederation and creation of the Constitution, right? Because yeah. the Articles of the Confederation severely severely limited the powers of the federal government, and they were upset that due to the limits of the federal of the uh, limited limit the limits of the power of the federal government they were not able to institute um bringing in the military to help quell shay's rebellion so what they did is they used it to usurp the articles of confederation to create the constitution which gave the federal government a hell of a lot more power a lot more power like it is a night and day difference yes the the constitution was a coup yep so but uh articles or uh uh, you want to get into it mr uh history yeah Yeah. so So, i just i just had the one link i didn't i didn't do a whole lot of research i thought i thought this one link did a really good job of watering the long story down yeah, I mean, it is, it's kind of a long story. I mean, the, the beginnings of it can be summed up with, you know, it's the 1780s, right? The the revolution has finally ended. There's a bunch of veterans who've gone back to their farms and are trying to farm. But, you know, during the revolution and stuff, they had to borrow money to keep their farms going. And the business owners in the cities wanted to be paid back fucking now, like right now. They didn't weren't willing to wait, nothing else. And these farmers, they don't have, there's no paper money in circulation at all and again they had to buy all this stuff on credit to begin with so they don't have any gold or silver coins and even if they did there's not many of those even in circulation at this point so it's immediately after a war you know and they were farming in a war zone they didn't have a lot and the the bostonian uh, businesses in particular didn't care they wanted their payment plain and simple they wanted to get paid right now and the farmers were just getting their crops ready to go to market and didn't even really have a good way to transport it because again they're broke yep <laughs> um let's see uh i just i'll get into the article i guess yeah yeah, yeah. all right I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna skip the uh the little summary and just go to the taxes in the face of poverty So the end of the Revolutionary War found farmers in rural areas of Massachusetts living in sparse subsistence lifestyles with few assets aside from their land. Forced to barter with each other for goods or services, farmers found it difficult and prohibitively expensive to obtain credit. When they did did manage to find credit, repayment was required to be in the form of hard currency, which remained in short supply after the repeal of the despised British Currency Acts. Along with insurmountable commercial debt, usually high tax rates in Massachusetts, added to the financial woes of the farmers. Taxed at a rate some four times higher than neighboring New Hampshire, a typical typical Massachusetts farmer was required to pay about one-third of their annual income to the state. Yeah, a full third. They were being taxed higher than they were under the Brits. Yes. Immediately after the Revolutionary yes. War, they're being taxed um, higher than they were before. Gosh, yes. I mean, it's almost like history repeats itself because look where we are today. Yes. Mm. Uh, unable to pay either their private debts or their taxes, 
many farmers faced devastation. Some courts would foreclose on their land and other assets, ordering them sold at public auction for a fraction of their real value. Worse yet, farmers who had already lost their land and other assets were often sentenced to years in dungeon-like and now illegal debtor's prison. Yeah, they'd be arrested if they did manage to bring their crops into town. When they did, they were then arrested because there's a warrant for them for their debts. Yes. On top of the financial hardships was the fact that many Revolutionary War veterans had received little or no pay during their time in the Continental Army and were facing roadblocks to collecting back pay owed to them by the Congress or the states. Yeah, remember that, I mean, they aren't the only ones during the Revolutionary War who are paying for things on credit. The Continental Congress has no money either and is paying everyone in promises, Mm -hmm. which they are also making on credit. And the things that they are paying for, they're getting on credit. So there's just this huge amount of credit happening and no one's actually paying anything except um, for the businesses. That's a reoccurring theme when it comes to veterans in the military. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like this and then the the bonus army. um, Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The bonus army is at the end of the Civil War, um, or sorry, the end of uh, the. Um, oh, my brain's just completely shutting down for some reason. World War One. Yeah. Um, but you know, you had, uh, you know, and, and you had stuff at the end of World War Two, uh, where you had, um, you know, you had people's houses and stuff, their farms being repossessed, and that being interfered by veterans. Um, I mean, you know, now we have a lot of veterans that have their their cars repossessed as soon as they get home or they get evicted as soon as they get home or their houses get foreclosed on as soon as they get home. Got to jump through seven hoops and a crocodile pit in order to get your. Your uh, um, GI benefits. Yep. Yep. And that's if you survive the VA. Yeah, uh, the VA giving <laughs> veterans a new opportunity to die for their country since it was in 1979. <laughs> yeah, on top of the financial hardships um, was the fact that many revolutionary veterans were uh, paying the Continental Army. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, some of these soldiers, like Daniel Shays, uh, began to organize protests against what they considered to be excessive taxes and abusive treatment by the courts. A Massachusetts farmhand, when he volunteered for the Continental Army, Shays fought in the Battle of Lexington and Concord, Bunker Hill, and Saratoga. So, dude was in A lot of shit. blood. Yes. Uh, after being wounded in action, Shays resigned, unpaid, uh, from the Army and went home, where he was taken to court for non-payment of pre-war debts. Realizing that the farm was far from alone in his plight, he began to organize his fellow protesters. Yeah, I mean, and they did try to do things peacefully first. Mm-hmm. You know, they did try. I mean, they for well, several that, years. They, again, they that's a try. recurring thing in any kind of a revolution or rebellion is they always try the peaceful method first. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you could say the same thing about uh, Hemeyer. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and there's you know there's um, attempts to you know do redress of grievances, which were supposed to be something that they were now able to do. Uh, and, you know, draft these things that they could submit to submit to their local, con- you know, state congresses and stuff for redress grievances and comp for compensation. And they that fell on deaf ears. Um, uh, Colonel Hines tried to uh, actively block judges from entering the courthouse for yeah, like the, better hearings. They, right. Yeah, 
that's one of the things they mentioned coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with the spirit of revolution still fresh, hardships led to protests. In 1786, uh, aggrieved citizens in Fort Massachusetts County held semi-legal con- uh, conventions to demand, among other reforms, lower taxes and the issuance of paper money. However, the state legislator, having already suspended tax collections for a whole year, refused to listen and ordered the immediate and full payment of taxes. With this, the public resentment of tax collectors and the courts escalated quickly. This is on the... This is, yeah, this is right after a war over taxes, yes. where they had been tar and feathering taxmen and things. Right after that, and their immediate attitude is, well, you better pay up. Yeah. Mm, bad. Um, Didn't we just shoot a bunch of people over this not that yeah. long ago? I well, mean, that's had to be what the farmers are saying to each other is they're looking like well, we just got done like killing people over this. Yes. Did I really think um, this is gonna work? I, um. On August 29th, 1786, which is 235 years ago today, a group of protesters succeeded in preventing the county tax court in Northampton from convening. What they did is a bunch of hard motherfuckers with rifles stood in front of the court and prevented the local magistrate from getting into the courts. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was Captain Hines. Um, he had several hundred men, several hundred more men from Amherst, which is right up the road from there, also came and helped him. So you're talking about like a couple hundred armed men standing in uniform, Continental Army uniform in front of the courthouse going, no, you're not going in. <laughs> Not only that, but they, um, uh, in one of the, they, they did this, they did this several different counties, several different times. One of the times, uh, the state called up the local militia, which would be the National Guard at this point. And the National Guard, or the, the militia at the time, um, saw what was happening, put down their arms, and joined the protesters. Yep. Yeah, that was, and that's uh, the way Worcester. it should fucking be, too. Every fucking time. Yeah. And yeah, that was in Worcester. They, they showed up. Half of them didn't even answer the call. For yeah. the militia, they just went screw you, no, because um, they knew what was going on. And the ones who did show up showed up and immediately just rotated 180 degrees and joined the protesters because they also hadn't been paid. Yes. <laughs> um, having taken part in Northampton protests, Daniel Shays quickly gained followers, calling themselves Shayites or regulators, in reference to an earlier tax reform movement in North Carolina. Shay's group orchestrated protest at more county courthouses, effectively preventing taxes from being collected. Hallelujah. My spirit animal. <laughs> Greatly disturbed by the tax protest, George Washington, in a letter to his close friend David Humphreys, expressed fear that, quote, commotions of this sort, like snowballs, gather strength as they roll, if there is no opposition in the way to divide and crumble them. Oh, he'd know, wouldn't he? Considering he just took part in an armed yep. rebellion over taxes. Yeah, I'm gonna read that quote again. <laughs> this is this is a quote from George Washington, who is not yet president of the United States. Correct. Um, yeah, they um there were what two or three presidents under the Articles of Confederation. Confederacy, yeah. Washington um, uh, Washington was elected. He, however, you also got to remember though, Washington is an aristocrat. Washington, uh, he his brother, himself British, didn't he? Well, largely his, so his, um, his brother had owned a very large, uh, plantation 
um, Washington, George himself, he had actually not owned much. And then he, when his brother died, he inherited that basically ran it mostly into the ground, needed money, wanted prestige, which is when he married Martha, who was a very rich widow, uh, which was actually quite the scandal at the time in, uh, in Virginia that he, he being, uh, like half her age, got her to marry him and then immediately took control of all of her finances. So if you think George Washington bankrupt her too. Yeah, if you think Washington is this great and wonderful man, he may have said some pretty amazing things, but that isn't how he lived. Yeah. Uh, so the, the quote again is um, expressed as fear that, quote, commotions of this sort, like snowballs, gather strength as they roll if there's no opposition in the way to divide and crumble them. Divide and conquer. That sounds oh. awfully, awfully relevant. Sound, that sounds awfully, mm. awfully tyrannical. Well, doesn't it sound familiar to right now? Yes. Divide no. and conquer. I'm saying like, like Battle of Athens that we talked about back on August 1st. Yeah. yeah. With, with Magnus and the boys, Magnus and Trashman and, and Oldman. Just saying, there was, there was a lot of relevance to current events in that one. Yeah. Shay's Rebellion. Oh. There's a lot of relevance to current Isn't events in this interesting. one. Anytime, anytime we talk about these historical, you know, you, you would call, maybe you'd call them minor rebellions. I don't know. There is always a lot of parallels to what's happening today. And then people wonder why more and more people are willing or expressing a willingness openly to, you know, shoot tyrants. Um, by December 1786, the growing conflict between farmers, their creditors, and the state tax collectors drove Massachusetts Governor uh, Bowdoin to mobilize a special army of 1,200 militiamen funded by private merchants and dedicated solely to stopping Shays and his regulators. Well, and keep in mind, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened before this, too. I mean... Um, he, you know, sometime it's sometime in 1786 that Shay truly moves into being an insurgent, um, you know, and, and becomes fully radicalized. Um, he, in September, he's got about 600 guys with him, mm-hmm. um, that are following him. Um, they shut down the court in Springfield, um, and he still doesn't want to fight anybody. He's still like, I don't want this to come to actual armed action. I still want this to be, you know, civil and things. We just need you to listen. Again, um, very, very relevant to current issues. Yeah. And he actually, uh, he um, finally got uh, General Shepard to agree to allow that he would let the court open as long as the uh, protesters could parade. Um However, the court couldn't find any jurors to serve on the the debtor's court uh, and uh, just shut down anyway, because obviously no one was going to come in and judge these debtors while there's 600 armed debtors directly outside the building. (laughs) (laughs) What? It ultimately didn't. But he let them open. He still was like, no, we'll we'll do this peacefully. It's fine. I kept my word. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, um, Henry Knox uh, also, he was an artillery commander during the Revolutionary War. He was actually the uh, first U.S. Secretary of War. 
uh, he wrote about Shay. He said, they see the weakness of government. They feel at once their own poverty compared with the opulent and their own force. And they are determined to make use of the latter in order to remedy the former. Their creed is that the property of the United States has been protected from the confiscations of Britain by the joint exertions of all, and therefore ought to be the common property of all. Our government must be braced, changed, or altered to secure our lives and property. We imagine that the mildness of our government and the virtue of the people were so correspondent that we were not as other nations requiring brutal force to support the laws, but we find that we are men, actual men, possessing all the turbulent passions belonging to that animal, and we must have a government proper and adequate for him. I like that. Yeah. Very eloquent. Yeah, so he's like, oh, we thought we could just, you know, we can just negotiate with people, but apparently, you know, we can't negotiate with people, so we're going to have to be violent, is what he said. So, again, awful, awful uh, similar to today's world. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole psychological discussion around that. <laughs> we could have, but. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, led by former Continental Army General Benjamin Lincoln, Bowdoin's special army was ready for the pivotal battle of Shays' Rebellion. Uh, on January 25th, 1787, Shays, along with some 1,500 of his regulators, attacked the Federal Armory in Springfield, Massachusetts. Though outnumbered, General Lincoln's well-trained and battle-tested army had anticipated the attack and held a strategic advantage over Shay's angry mob. After firing a few volleys of musket uh, warning shots, Lincoln's army leveled artillery fire on the still-advancing mob, killing four of the regulators and wounding 20 more. Well, keep in mind, this is... So the Battle of Springfield happens after uh, Chief Justice uh, William Whiting uh, openly declares support for the rebellion um, and, you know, and says that... You know, the 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 legislators are intentionally trying to make money not off of the rich people and off of mm -hmm. the merchants and things that have all the money, mm -hmm. but the farmers who can't defend themselves. And he says that. Meanwhile, Samuel Adams calls for their immediate execution. So their founding father execution. says execute the guys who don't agree with the uh extortion and the practices of the, all the finances and all that stuff well remember but sam adams justice, is a business owner in boston well right so it's his own self-interest yeah but then the chief justice says eh, no i think they have a point <laughs> they yeah the well and and uh the massachusetts legislator did uh legislature did offer them uh, leniency they offered to say well if you guys just uh put your arms down go home and swear an oath of allegiance to us then no, we'll give you, you. Amnesty. We, just, we just fought a war to not have to swear allegiance to anybody yeah and they wanted an oath of allegiance and they said well we'll we'll let you go home and uh we'll give you you know some negotiating room in your on your taxes and that was their offer yeah um, to which, of course, the most of the rebels said, fuck you. Um, also, they simultaneously. What a shock. Yeah. Well, and they simultaneously passed a bill that said it was perfectly OK for any sheriffs to kill the mm. rebels. 
and that the rebels should face especially hard uh consequences yeah um uh, what a shot let's see uh, uh so that after after that after they were hurt after that they uh failed to um get to the armory uh that that was essentially when the industry's rebellion that was you know um in exchange for immediate amnesty from prosecution some 4000 individuals signed confessions acknowledging their participation in the rebellion several hundred participants were later indicted on a range of charges relating to the rebellion most were most were pardoned uh 18 men were sentenced to death two of them mm-hmm. john bly and charles Rose of Berkshire County were hanged for thievery on December 6, 1787, while the rest were either pardoned, had their sentence commuted, or had their convictions overturned on appeal. Well, yeah, and keep in mind, I mean, during this, like so, prior so, to the Battle so, of Springfield, they so, also it, suspended the writ of habeas corpus. Yeah. So in exchange for amnesty from prosecution. They got pro- prosecuted. 18 yes. men were sentenced to death. Yes. Yeah, that was another bill that that was I was going to mention. There was a bill that specifically said that if you took part in an armed rebellion, that death was the was was the required penalty. Um, you know, December of 86, 1786, um, that's when uh, local militia attacked a local farmer. Um, they arrested him. They permanently crippled him for the rest of his life. They beat him so badly. Um, and this is while the legislature is trying to convince the rebels to go home. Well, obviously, that doesn't work out so hot. Um, which is kind of what leads directly to, you know, 1787 in January and and the battle in Springfield, um, and the um, one of them actually uh, at, at the battle of Springfield was uh, Luke Day, who uh, had actually fought uh, in Quebec in 1775 with Benedict Arnold. Mm. Um. Yeah, and that's he brought 400 men with him. Um, Eli Parsons brought 600. So, I mean, there is quite a few, uh, quite a few guys there, actually. This is not a small thing. This battle was not small. This was a huge fight. And ultimately, just like, you know, the Easter Rising in Ireland in 1916, it falls apart and then a bunch of people get executed. Yep. Yep. Uh, Shays, who had been hiding in Vermont... Uh, in the in a Vermont forest, since fleeing from the failed attack on the Springfield Armor, returned to Massachusetts after being pardoned in 1788. He later settled near Consens, New York, where he lived below the poverty threshold until his death in 1825. Well, and keep in mind during you know during some of that he was in when he was in hiding he was with Ethan Allen of all people. Ethan Allen, uh, the uh, Revolutionary War leader. Um, the the brand the outdoor brand ethan allen is named for him mm-hmm. um he is known as a mountain man and you know kind of this rough rider type and who independently could he had he had his rangers allen's rangers and uh yeah so he's actually with another revolutionary war leader while he's in hiding um in vermont um the you know and during this time period too you know the after in the aftermath of this um boston passes laws that say that anybody who participated in the rebellion basically they declare them non-people they're no longer allowed to serve on juries they can't uh ever hold public office um they can't uh work for schools they're not allowed to vote they can't get a liquor license they're not allowed to keepers license you're saying they were they were canceled yeah yeah hmm. yeah 
They tried oh. to remove their personhood for it, even oh, though, oh, gosh. you were pardoned because you participated in it. You're not allowed to do any of these things anymore. Yeah. Gosh, I, <laughs> that I'm sounds... seeing an awful lot of fucking parallels here. Hmm. <laughs> I I can't put my finger on it, but that, there's just seems to be something there. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So as as inspiring as Shay's Rebellion was, the after effects of Shay's Rebellion is when shit really gets wild. Um, though it failed to achieve its goals, Shay's Rebellion focused attention on the serious weaknesses in the Articles of the Confederation that prevented the national government from effectively managing the government the government's finances. The obvious need for reforms led to the Constitutional Convention of 1787 and the replacement of the Articles of the Confederation with the U.S. Constitution and its Bill of Rights. Motherfucking Alexander Hamilton. Yep. Government Bowdoin's actions in quashing the rebellion, though successful, were widely unproper or widely unpopular and proved to be his political downfall. In the gubernatorial election of 1787, he received few votes from the rural parts of the state and was easily defeated by founding father and first signer of the Constitution, Mr. John Hancock. Yep. Yeah, Hancock's the one who pardoned almost everybody. And and thus, magic parchment was born. Additionally, the legacy of Bowdoin's Bowdoin's military victory was tarnished by extensive tax reforms. Over the next several years, the Massachusetts legislature cut property taxes significantly and placed a moratorium on debt collections. Meanwhile, poor Shays dies destitute in 1825 and gets buried in an unmarked grave. Yes. Um, In addition to his concerns over the rebellion... Uh, drew George Washington back into public life and helped persuade him to accept the Constitutional Conviction's unanimous nomination to serve as the first president of the United States. Yeah, remember, I mean, at that point, Washington had actually retired. Yeah, like, he was, uh, he was done. In yep. final analysis, Shays' Rebellion contributed to the establishment of a stronger federal government. Yep. Um, it, okay, also... it, didn't, it didn't contribute to the establishment of a stronger federal government. What it did is it gave the gave the federal list the ammunition that it yep. needed to yep. cheerlead for a stronger national government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hence the the joy of the Burr tactical solutions, if you will. Um, yes, you got to be a history nerd to get that joke, but it's funny. Trust me. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and then. The crazy thing to me is there are now um, a there is now a, a Daniel Shays Memorial Highway in Massachusetts. Um, really? Yeah, uh, U.S. Route 202 uh, section of it, the section of it that goes through uh, Massachusetts is the Daniel Shays Memorial Highway. So they they made a memorial highway for a guy that had they been able to secure a conviction likely would have executed. Yes. Yes. Try to do those mental jumping jacks for a second. <laughs> well, because so here's here's why that matters. And that matters because what that tells you is something very specific. It tells you that government loves to try and celebrate freedom fighters while trying to stop freedom fighters. Because well, yeah. the government wants you to have heroes. But they also want you to see what happens to those heroes. 
like the 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 signers of the constitution or the, the signers of the um of the declaration of independence right like 56 mm -hmm. signers uh what is it like like 40 of them died in battle were hunted down by the by the british and um some others does natural causes and and like very few of them actually survived beyond like beyond like the sur next 10 years right and those who did you largely ended up broke and yeah. just completely run down and impoverished well i mean there was there's hancock who became a governor there's jefferson mm -hmm. who became a president um you know there's there my more, ancestor josiah bartlett who ended up broke and destitute yeah i mean there was there was a lot of outcome there but a lot of them were killed a lot mm -hmm. of them were killed um which gets conveniently not really mentioned in like in american history classes they don't really talk about the fact that Every just about everybody who signed that died <laughs> in the yep. course of the war. Like they were hunted down like dogs. Let's see. Here's, um, a, here's another one about yep. it. Another quote about it from Washington, uh, October 31st, 1786, to Henry Lee. He said, quote, you talk, my good sir, of employing influences to appease the present tumults in Massachusetts. I know not where the influence is to be found or, if obtainable, that it would be a proper remedy for these disorders. Influence is not government. Let us have a government by which our lives, liberties, and properties will be secured, or let us know the worst at once. So he wanted big government. Yep. Help like, me, daddy mm -hmm. government. Help me. I mean, that's well, that, that letter to him that I read, too, that's, that's what that was advocating for, is... We want we're going to need violent big government to take care of this because it turns out that we can't just trust people. Well, no, you could have totally trusted people. The problem was fucking government in the first place, you ass. That was right. the first problem. Um, if anybody wants to read more on this, too, there's a Shays Rebellion, the American Revolution's final battle. Um, Leonard L. Richards, um, one of my favorites, which is Paul DeVell's Massachusetts Troublemakers, Rebels, Reformers and Radicals from the Bay State. Um, that one's quite good. But yeah, that, I mean, Shays Rebellion, much like the Whiskey Rebellion, it's immediately after the Revolutionary War ends. And it's for the exact reason that the Revolutionary War was fought, just like the Whiskey Rebellion. This is what it's about. It's about the fact that, you know, this is, this is over... The idea that you're not allowed to tax us and we just fought a war over this. And now not only are you taxing us, you're throwing us into debtors prisons because we're being ordered to pay this in hard currency that doesn't exist. Right. L literally, and, literally does not exist. Like there's, there's no U.S. currency at this point. Yeah. No, they're, they're basically trading in precious metals or the, the barter system at this point. Well, and they don't have the, I mean, they're farmers. They don't have precious metals. So it's like, no. what are they going to do? You might still have gold coins, silver coins in the cities, but we don't have it out here. We, we've been bartering with each other because there's nothing else. There's no other medium of exchange. But the mm -hmm. banks will not take the trades that they have available, demand hard currency that the farmers do not have access to. Yeah. Tomatoes don't incur interest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you know this is this is the problem that they that these farmers are facing and the united states government doesn't give a shit at this point 
the Massachusetts government doesn't give a shit should be a one would trend say, for one would make the argument that they never have. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, in the the Massachusetts government too, you know, it's ironic because of how much of the American Revolution was fomented in Boston. But the what it amounted to, though, you got to remember, is that these men who are demanding taxation and reform and, you know, and the more freedom and liberty and everything else wanted it for them, not for other people. I mean, that's the whole reason why the Constitution, when it's first drafted, specifically only gives franchisement to uh, white male landowners over the age of 21. And like, this is an important point. Like when they write the constitution, that's who they give all of the power to now is just them. Yeah. It was, as we said, it was a coup. Yeah. Yep. Because it, it, it completely flipped the power structure upside down. Right. Instead of, instead of the, the, the people having the power, it, it flipped to the, it flipped with the federal government and the people that run the federal government, they were the, the power brokers. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, when you see that, you see that change when you look at the first co- free, few, first few continental congresses mm-hmm. and the discussions that happen there, because we have what's said during it, you know, um, when you have the first few, what's getting said versus when they're debating the Constitution and those differences in what these arguments are and what the, especially that Hamilton and his Federalists are making. You see this really big change from it being about the people and about being all of us and, you know, and that no one has a right to rule anyone else except by the mandate of those other people. And all of a sudden it changes. Yeah, and like it was it was so it changed so dramatically and and became so potentially tyrannical in a lot of people's eyes that a lot of people refused to sign off on it until they included a Bill of Rights. Right, because right. the, the, the Bill of Rights was not part of the Constitution. The Constitution was, was how the federal government was going to be run. The Bill of Rights, they only included so that so that the, the, the power brokers could get everyone on board with this, with, with the new structure mm-hmm. program, new, new system. Yep. Yeah, and this is, I mean, you know, and again, this is why I laugh about the Burr tact- tactical pistol solutions, because <laughs> as a direct result of these arguments... Uh, over the Federalist versus Anti-Federalist and stuff, that is what leads to the rivalry between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, which leads to Aaron Burr challenging Alexander Hamilton to a duel, and Burr fucking kills him. Yay, Burr! So, I still that's still one of my favorite commercials with the the, the peanut butter commercial, or the oh, it was a milk milk commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was say you want that milk? Yeah, the that's <laughs> but peanut that's butter, peanut butter sandwich. It was a milk commercial. Yeah. That's that's one of those things that yeah. So uh, you know, speaking of the the Constitution being a coup against the Articles of Confederation, I'd just like to point out that there were in fact eight individuals who were considered the presidents of Congress, which would have been the predecessor to the president of the United States under the Articles of Confederation. They each served a one-year term, starting with John Hanson. Then Elias Bud- Budino, 
Thomas Mifflin, Richard Henry Lee, John Hancock, Nathaniel Gorham, Arthur St. Clair, and Cyrus Griffin. Yeah, Richard then, Henry Lee's voice, er, uh, name should sound awful familiar because he had a grandson who you may have heard of. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think we talked about that previously. Well, all right. Have we uh, have we beat Chase's rebellion dead horse now? I mean, I think as far as we want to on this podcast, like if I was doing just a history podcast, there's oh, so man. much more to this that there's I could so, go. There's so it. many little things like the 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 um, when they went to the courts and they, they, they protested in front of the courts and and wouldn't allow judges in or or when they the, the people that were going to be on the juror juries were like, no, we're not crossing that line. Like if we talked about every single one of those, it'd be like a four hour podcast. Which would mm-hmm. be too big for an anchor upload. We'd we'd wind up basically being uh uh George Carlin or yeah and his <laughs> his uh hardcore history or Dan Carlin sorry Dan Carlin and his hardcore hardcore history podcast where it's like six to eight hour episodes <laughs> <laughs> and he's got his his blitzes that are like twelve and a half hours <laughs> they're just kind of like the one you were on yesterday. Oh, that was not a blitz. That was a fucking marathon. Yeah, Magnus. Yeah, Magnus just like. It sounds like he had fun with it, though. I think he had fun, but by the time he was done, he was like, dude, I'm going to bed right now. I'm so (laughs) done with this. Can you blame him? Uh, And today was his birthday. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Magnus. So like yeah. after all of that, then the very next day is his birthday too. On top of that, like Jesus, man. <laughs> he posted a cool video of him uh, <laughs> shooting shooting the AR while drinking a beer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's like one handing the AR and chugging a beer. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty funny. Yeah, freedom. That so. that doesn't get a whole lot more America than that. I don't think. Well, I mean, there's that video of that dude getting head while he fires a pistol in the air and chugs a, a Budweiser, so. Yeah, all right, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to, to something good. Um, where do we want to go? Do we want to go to North Carolina, Colorado, or Missouri? None of those sound particularly. Say, I don't really want to go to any of those places. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Col- Let's go to Colorado. Okay. Well, I guess at least they have legal weed there. I don't know. Well, it's going to take <laughs> some legal weed for this one to make sense. They right. Got, they got wheel. They got legal weed, but you can't play kickball. Yeah. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Cops threaten kickball players with child abuse charges. Wait a second. What? Oh, hold your what? Hold your what? What no. happens on summer eve when a couple of dozen kids and parents spill into the street for a neighborhood ball, neighborhood game of kickball? On a well-manicured street in Colorado Springs last week, this occasional three cop cars, eight officers, and a citation for, quote, obstructing passage or assembly. The crime? Frolicking. More specifically... Playing in the street without a permit. 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine a guy who's just got his huge rap sheet and it's nothing but frolicking, 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 frolicking? <laughs> oh frolicking. man, I would, look at how much would, whimsy this guy has. Frolicking, 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 frolicking. <laughs> I would wear that shit like a badge of honor. <laughs> I was arrested for frolicking. <laughs> the perpetrators, Ed Snyder and Joe Coleman, are hard-boiled recidivist. I think that's the right word. Recreation activist, recidivist. Recidivist. Uh, yeah. For four summers now, this is th- since 2017. So for four years now, the men have brazenly organized weekly 90-minute kickball games that bring out neighbors of all ages, from toddlers to teens to parents. Until recently, the games were not deemed a threat to public safety, but apparently a neighbor complained, and that was enough for the Colorado Springs Police Department to spring into action. Fucking Fuck you, Karen. Karen. Always. <laughs> Karen's just ruining everybody's fun. Yeah, these there's are gotta be one. These are people that live in the same goddamn neighborhood, just getting together. Do I do I need to get the patch? Probably. Hold hold on, it gets better. Oh fuck. Uh, Some of the officers arriving on the scene were new recruits. Of uh, course they. Commander were. Tish Ozlovs or Ozluski, O L S Z E W S K I. Is it Olszewski, maybe? Olszewski? Ozluski? Okay, so Commander Tish told the Colorado Springs Indy, quote, I looked at it as a great training opportunity for these new police officers. One of the things they have to learn is community engagement. Community fucking engagement. In response, yeah, In response, Coleman, Coleman's one of the guys organizing the kickball game, Quipped, quote, I wouldn't say this experience for most of the people here is community building. Yeah, uh, you think? No. You think? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, those cops show up, they should have immediately been like, you know what? Fuck it. You guys versus us. We'll hit, we'll take the tickets if we lose. Yeah, if we lose, we'll take the tickets. If we win, we get your M4s. <laughs> <laughs> Fair trade. Um, Fair trade. When the, when the cops arrived, they told the group that they needed a permit to play in the street. But three weeks earlier, when the authorities first got involved after the neighbor's complaint, Snyder had actually tried to get a permit. Right. So after four years, four years since 2017, every Monday night during the summer when school's out, they have this kickball game for four years. And then one neighbor complains. And then one lame ass, probably middle aged woman who's not included because she's a piece of shit. That one lame ass woman's got to be like, well, I, you know what? I'm just gonna call the police. They can't be doing that. that not it's not, not the, going out talking. Yeah, not going out and talking to the people. Not going no, out and talking. Because that to the would neighbors. actually require them to actually talk to people and yes. understand their fucking neighbors and get to know somebody other than, ooh, me and my special poofy fucking hair. You goddamn bitch. You think you're riled up now? Just wait. <laughs> Just. So Snyder had actually tried to get a permit. Snyder's one. Snyder's the other organizer of the kickball games for the last four years, every Monday night during the summer. "Quote: The person got back to me and basically said there's a 14-day waiting period for this, and we'd have to go and get signatures from everybody on the block every single time we had to do this. So it's not practical for a kickball game that lasts an hour and a half." Plus, you'd have to rent $300 worth of barricades each time. You can't put up your own barricades. It wasn't a practical solution. 
so what? So, ev- so every Monday night during the summer, they would have to get a permit, which required the signatures of everyone on the block, and have to pay three hundred dollars for the barricades each Monday night for ninety minutes worth of kickball. Uh, to play on a street in front of their homes. Uh, you know, I, and I, the thing the thing is I too is like they were charged it. Yeah, they were charged with impeding one of the one of the words in there was gathering or yes. assembly. Yes. They are assembling. They're an assembly. They're it's not impeding any assembly. assembly. <laughs> they are assembling. <laughs> What? An alternative solution oh. suggested that the cops uh, was for the group to go play at the local park where they wouldn't be obstructing traffic. This is a cul-de-sac. I figured as much. At it's a fucking cul-de-sac. At the end of a street where I think the original article I said said that about once a game or twice a game, they have to let a car pass. You know, like, like Queen's World because, comes to mind right now. Because everyone oh. else... Because everyone else on the block is there at the Yeah, they're the all game. playing. Right. Yes. And there's one there's one commie fucking authoritarian piece of shit who wants to go, hey government, come stop these people from having fun. And threaten yeah. these people with legitimate threats of violence. Hold hold that thought. Hold that hold that, that thought, Christopher. I don't know that I the want to. The group enjoyed the par- the block party feel of it. Uh, the alternative uh, to that alternative was less pleasant. "Quote: We tried a re- we tried to reasonably come to a conclusion on how to settle this," said you know uh, uh, Colonel Tish or General Tish or Air Tish, whatever the fuck. Commandant Tish. Commandant Tish. <laughs> uh, we've given verbal warning after verbal warning. We've said, hey. Go the permit route. Go through the city. Get a permit so you can block the street and play kickball. You don't want to block the fucking street. Yeah, but that's not... So they can come through. Hold on. But stubbornly insisting that it was their right to play in front of their homes, the locals were courting disaster. Quote from, you know, Air Fear Tish. Quote, the next step after tickets, it goes to child abuse. We get the district attorney involved because you're putting them out there where a car could come by and plow into them. Then it goes to contributing to the delinquency of a minor, which is a felony. I don't think anyone wants to get charged with a felony. We have really tried to work with all of you. We don't want it to come to this. Bullshit, you fucking tyrant. This Andrew's (laughs) pointing at his shirt that says Barry Tyrants. And he's absolutely right in this case. God oh, damn it. This, I so, so four years. I, four yeah. years. Four years. Four years. I have, yeah, every I have Monday news. night during the summer. Four years. Every Monday night during the summer. And all of a sudden, minutes. Yeah, and all of a sudden you get one goddamn piece of shit human being who maybe happened to just move onto the block. Probably. And just went, oh, they're I out have, there. They're or not so, supposed who's, Or whose kid fell and skinned their knee. Or whose car got maybe got a little ding or scratch. It's probably not even that. It's, what it probably is is this dumb twat probably came home, was on her way home from work, and they were playing kickball, and she had to wait 10 seconds for the play to end 
so they could move out of the way so this fucking bitch could drive her way into her fucking yeah, drive. You know, Der Obergropenfuhrer Ozlewski uh, really needs to realize. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that. You know, that, uh, no, you didn't try to work with everyone on this. You tried to work with the one Karen in the entire neighborhood complaining and dictated to everyone else. That isn't working with anybody. And so help me, if I were the person with my kids going to a kickball game and you attempted or even threatened to charge me with child abuse for it. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, remember, your freedom isn't disappearing. It's being taken by people with names and addresses. You know, I I contacted the Libertarian Party of Colorado um, and the county uh, Libertarian Party uh, in regards to this and said, hey, you know, this is something you guys might want to get interested in. You know, this this is something you guys could get involved in. Go out there, you know, talk to people, you know, maybe run some interference. you know, advocate for freedom in this. Yeah, do some no. actual good, maybe actually do something. No response at all. Yeah. Oh, no. useless milk toast bunch of fucking babies. I mean, that's to, that's and, what it and, is. You know, to be perfectly honest, if this had happened in Andrew and my state, I can guarantee you tomorrow night while they're out there playing kickball without their fucking permit, people like Andrew and I and the people that we associate with in our state would go and stand on that street and be like, okay. I would love to see. Yeah. I would love to see the Karens call and complain when there's a bunch of armed men in body armor running interference for a kickball game. Yep. Let me know how that works out for you. Exactly what would fucking happen around here. Even if I had to drive all the way to Milwaukee to do it, I would do it. You know what you do is at this point, because one neighbor called and complained, is what you do is you go door to door with a video camera. You knock on the door and you ask people if they mind if you play a kickball game there. And the one person who says no, who wants nothing to do with it, you now know who in your neighborhood is the Karen. And now the entire neighborhood knows whose life to make an ever loving fucking hell every single day until they move. Yep. When the. According to the uh, Colorado Springs Indy, csindy.com, um, that when the cops showed up the first time, there were 25 parents hanging out watching the kids play. So they're just hanging out, having a grand old time, you know, yes. like you said, a block party. Everyone's out there yep. so, um, just enjoying the fresh air, maybe having a couple of beers, get the grill out. I mean, yeah. They're just um, they're a neighborhood having a good time together. One one of the parents, Brandon Marshall or Brendan Marshall, says, uh, "When I call the cops because there's some guy acting crazy and the, the cops don't show up, but they show up every night for this, that makes no sense." Well, yeah, they no show one... up for this because because there's one person on the block who makes a big fucking stink, and that's the only reason they show up. Well, they're showing up. They're showing up because these are people who aren't a risk for them to deal with as far as they're concerned. That's why they're showing well, up. 
low hanging yeah, fruit. Yeah, low hanging <laughs> fruit. I mean, but you know, again, this goes back to what we keep saying, which is no one makes more anarchists than government. How yep. many of these parents do you think had trust in the police department before? Because this is a well-to-do suburb from the sounds of things. How many of them had all this trust in police before? And now what they've learned is that you cannot trust the police. Another another quote from, from Brendan Marshall, he says, quote, I remember the first time McKenzie looked out the window and said, Daddy, what are they doing? With the little ones, the big kid, the big kids know how to give them a chance to get to first base, maybe second base. It's the greatest thing, and for people to complain and bitch is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing too: is there could be, there could be even if the government cared enough, there could even be a solution there where they would said, "Hey, look, we will allow you to shut down the street with a permit. You get a permanent permit for X amount of money every Monday night. We will shut down that street." for three months, four months, whatever. And you just pay this amount. They can then have a fundraiser. They can create a little club. They can have a fundraiser. They can do it. They can turn it into a big event and it's fine. Um, uh, Lindsay Marcuti, uh, whose preschool aged daughter takes part in the weekly game, um, said it's a beautiful event, a beautiful event on the safest street in Colorado Springs. She says the residents noted that it's a chance for parents to build community connections. Yeah. See, yeah. this is this is why the government doesn't like it, because people who have good relationships with their neighbors, neighborhoods where everyone knows each other, have, have strong connections. They don't need government. And this makes government concerned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Air Tish or Fear Tish, whatever her name is now. Chairman Tish. Do we, we settle? Dare, Dear Obergropen Fuhrer Tish. Yeah, Fuhrer Tish says, uh, here's a thought. If you don't like the city ordinance, we are a society that lives by going and making and changing laws. You guys can go to the city council as a group of parents and say, quote, we have a problem with this ordinance. What do we need to do to change it? Modify it. Essentially what she's difference. saying is fucking vote harder to get your people on the city council well, maybe you should to make vote this harder. easier. I'm yeah, you know what? You know how much we got, you know, um we were complaining, Jesus. I can remember wow. a few years ago, my neighborhood was complaining about uh here in here in the city I live that uh they were complaining about a huge pothole in the street that the city wasn't fixing, city wasn't fixing. Mm-hmm. Went to the city council, city council beta- basically told us to fuck off. And when we complained, then the city council's response after we complained in the media, local media was, well, why don't you just run against us the next time that we're incumbents? Yeah. And so when that happened and several of us were going to run, they gerrymandered the district so that they were no longer uh, up for reelection. Yep. That's what they did. So this is there. There aren't government solutions here. There's no voting that's going to save you. That isn't how you fix this. To quote the Lord of War, bullets change governments far surer than votes. Uh, since since the cops have been showing up, Nancy Hinjum, H-E-N-J-U-M. She's a city councilwoman uh, for the old North End area of Colorado Springs. Uh, every game night, she rides her bicycle over and talks to parents and hangs out with the kids. So you have a city council member who's, who's, now, coming, now, who's now coming yeah. out there to hang out with everybody and be like, hey, you know, this this is a lot of fun. And the yep, cops so are still if, coming out and going, oh, we're going to harass the living fuck yep. out of you. Yeah. yeah. 
because remember who really, really re- is the government power. It's not the people in mm-hmm. government at all. No, it's, it's the, the boot, the jackboots that they use yep. to enforce their laws at the end of a gun. It's the people like Dare Obergrope and Fiorazluski. That's that's what it is. It's the it's Herr Commandant that those are the ones who actually make what government says real. They're the one. The only reason that this isn't a bunch that government isn't a bunch of crazy people yelling and complaining in their ivory towers. A woman who lives on the block said in the letters she left on the doors uh, on the other people's doors that players were blocking her driveway and she asked them to move away from her house. Blocking her drive. Was she going out of her driveway? Was no. she coming into her driveway? No, it was no. just merely that you were on your driveway. And by the way, the section of your driveway that is in the boulevard isn't even yours. It's city property. <laughs> the cops sent an undercover vehicle. Police in an undercover vehicle first approached the group of about 25 kids and adults who were in the street. Parents said the unmarked vehicle stopped yards before reaching the group and didn't have a blinker on. So they weren't sure if they planned to proceed onto Tuhan Street. <laughs> during the during game time, parents said they are hyper vigilant about watching for cars and yell car when they see one coming, and kids and adults scatter to the side of the street. You know, growing up, we did that all the time. We played football in sometimes tackle football because we're idiots in oh, the street. That shit fucking hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, North so North Tehan Street dead ends. At Penrose Hospital, a block to the north, right? So the the the, the Tehan Street is the street that they play on. It dead ends at the hospital. Uh, one of the parents says, "Some nights, not one car goes through there." Yeah, he says. Sometimes he said the adding that the average of vehicles per game is less than six in ninety yeah, minutes. There's... Six vehicles in in ninety minutes. Yeah, oh, and there's there's that guys. one person who whined because they were too close to their property instead of sitting back like a reasonable human being and going, but am I leaving? Am I is somebody coming in? Because if that happens, they'll move out of the way. They're not bothering anybody. It's solely that you're like, it's in my property. It's in mine. Get away. My you're basically a fucking hermit crab. Do you realize that? You are a surly hermit crab, and that's what's going on. Like, fuck you, you cunt. I don't know if this is going to show up or not, but I'm going to try a screen share so you can see what uh, Commander Oz, whatever the fuck her name is, looks like. Der Obergropenfeer Ozluski? Der Obergropenfeer (laughs) Ozluski, yes. You got to see this. That just just makes me giggle so hard. All right. Um, let's see here. We can have you... reports that you are not following the dictates of the fair. Can you see this or not? Oh, that's a Karen. Oh, that's a Karen herself. We tried to work with you. No, you fucking didn't. Oh, and she's been doing nothing but fucking cop shit since 1984. Like I said, I, I had to point this out just because it's like, oh, my goodness. Fucking this Karen. is this Fucking is the exact Karen. person that you know honest to goodness she's probably the person who decided that arbitrarily that this needed to be uh, quashed without anybody else because she is a fucking Karen in and of herself. Yeah, uh, Actually, yeah. based on her size, she's probably three Karens. Yeah, Colorado Springs Gazette, one of the other articles uh, that I looked up, got some the quotes from. 
um, said that uh, on the street, only three houses objected. Three houses. That's three it. houses. Three that's houses. The objected. entire neighborhood. Three. Yeah. Of the of the sixty signatures collected, three people complained. Yeah, I mean, l- like, let's, you know, building building strong, and, and those are people who don't want strong relationships with their neighbors. Building strong relationships with your neighbors is very important. I mean, it, strong, it, where I'm strong at, communities, strong communities, strong neighbors that rely on each other, that keep each other's back, have less use for the police and the government. That's that's what it comes down and to, and that's their biggest gripe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, I mean, even the three buildings right around me. So where I live, and then there's a house over here and a house over here. We, when we do fires in our, our backyard, because I got a fire pit out there and stuff, when I do fires, my neighbors from each side, they'll hop up over the fences with their lawn chairs. Their dogs will come trotting over. They'll set up coolers and we'll all have beers and sit around the fire and hang out and talk. When, uh, when we were on vacation for a week, you know, we were up camping up, way up north, we we're out in the woods for a week. We text one of our neighbors, hey, can you just check and make sure that the air conditioner is still running so it's not getting too hot in the house and just kind of keep an eye on the place? Yeah, sure, no problem. Yep. That's that's what you get out of strong communities. You get to do that where you get that reassurance, you know? And, like, the other day, our neighbor, uh, Holly, she came over, and I was like, hey, look at the new back stairs that I built. Aren't these great? And we're showing it off and petting her dog and Ellie, who's a real well, sweetheart and, and stuff. And, and to contrast that, you look at where I live, and there are one, two, three, four, five houses around me. I have a passable relationship with the mayor who lives up just up the hill from me. The only other person that lives around us that we have any kind of relationship with is a coworker mm-hmm. of mine who happens to live kitty corner and has a granddaughter the same age yeah. as my daughter. Those people would call the Nobody police else your kickball game. The only per other and the only other interaction we've had with any neighbors was last year when we had a gigantic tree fall in our yard. And the guy just the guy who literally called the cops because my dog was barking came down to make sure we were okay when the tree fell. (laughs) Yeah, the the, kickball game, though, at Chris's would be like the world's longest kickball game because every single kick would wind up a quarter mile away. Oh, that's right. You'd have to go all no, the no, way no, no. down. You, you, you would kick. You would roll, the, like pitch the ball down the hill and kick uphill. So if and I that miss, would... then it just goes all the so way it's, down. So it's, lit- so it's literally the world's smallest game because that ball's not going up the hill. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where you would have to actually have a catcher because in kickball you usually yeah. don't have a catcher. You have the pitcher cover home plate when there's a play there, but you would actually have to have a catcher to make sure the ball didn't. Go down the hill. Just send the hill at twenty five miles an hour because it's that <laughs> steep. Yep. <laughs> it would just be like, oh well, that ball's gone. Grab a new one. <laughs> yep. I need to change my gender to kickballitarian. Kickballitarian. <laughs> I, I identify as a kickball self identify as kickballer. My uh <laughs> oh god. My my pronouns include picker, saw, catcher. I self identify <laughs> as a kickball. Yeah, thanks, life. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> my, my pronouns are bonk, and <laughs> my pro, my pronouns are asterisk. The sound of the ball, the yellow ball hitting your face, and double. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I can still. Yeah, I can still feel the the void checker marks the that were on those yep. balls oh, in my God. face. Oh. 
<laughs> As you're walking to the bench. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> when when the my nose, daughter the nose piece on my glasses jabbing into my fucking nose. Oh, yeah, when when oh, my daughter was I think she was like three, there were these kids playing kickball in the park that was like two houses down from where we lived. And I took her over there, and the very first time she tries to pitch, this other little girl kicks it and just mainlines it really? straight into her face. Just whack, and she just goes down <laughs> like a log. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop and take a deep breath. Calm down, Calm down, PTSD. Calm down, PTSD. I'm just like, oh. <sighs> uh, well, the, the government is shutting down kickball. The FBI bankrolled a publisher of occult neo-Nazi books. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> They're big fans. <sighs> Court documents claim that the confidential informant who helped bring down the Ottawaffen division is also a publisher of white supremacist literature. What a Federal shock. The Federal uh. Bureau of Investigation has paid a man involved in the publishing house specializing in occult neo-Nazi books more than $100,000 since 2003, according to court filings. The publishing house is Martinette Press. Uh, fine purveyors of Ottawaffen Division approved books such as Iron Gates and Liber 333. Okay. Former I'm, I'm oh, my God. I'm going to cut you off for a second. It's Otto Waffen. Waffen, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Liber 333 is a uh, whoo boy satanic yeah oh, oh post-apocalyptic America which opens the scene of a child being murdered <laughs> yep yep that's okay. what I want yeah. to read that's uh sounds woo. like a piece of literature right there yeah, yeah. Uh, the apparent informant is Joshua Caleb Sutter a man with long-standing ties to white supremacist organization organizations uh sutter's father was a pentecostal preacher who ran racist memorabilia stores in the areas around the south carolina capital of columbia sutter and his father would take turns running the counter what is a racist memorabilia store like what do you sell not, not, nazi paraphernalia i mean i would assume nazi, nazi paraphernalia, paraphernalia but better at flags Hey, how um, do you tell the difference between a Nazi, like a racist paraphernalia store and just like an antique store in the South? They're, they're about the same. I mean, I just, I'm just i just pointing out, like, how do you tell perspectives? Perspectives. Yeah, perspective. I mean, you if the sign behind out, what you're selling, I guess. Then that's one thing. If the it's, sign out front says, hey, buy your Nazi shit here. Well, you know. Well, I mean, yeah. if, if you if you if it has like um, auction house authentication then it's memorabilia. If if you name your store Sieg Heil, yeah, it's, it's really oh we're gonna go away. down to the local antique store High Hitler. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <sighs> Cousin Friedrich, Hail. fine, fine uh, memorabilia of the Fatherland. Probably not an antique store. Uh, um, the court documents implicating Sutter are from a federal government's case against Caleb Cole, who prosecutors say was the leader of the neo-Nazi terror group Waffen Division, obtained by investigative journalist Ali Whitson. The documents are a motion to suppress evidence related to the search warrant used in Cole's home. The documents don't use Sutter's name, but the description of the FBI's confidential informant leaves little doubt that it's him. Quote, the government has informed defense counsel that the CI in this case 
has worked as an informant for the FBI for approximately 16 years. Since 2003, he has been paid over $140,000 for his work. More importantly, the CI has been paid $78,133.20, plus an expense advance of $4,378.60 since February 7, 2018, which almost entirely coincides, uh, coincides with his work on the investigation into Mr. Cole and Otto Waffen. Jesus. Hold on, hold on. The CIA is a convicted felon and currently owns and operates a published company, publishing company that distributes white supremacist writings. The CIA began his long career as a professional informant in exchange for consideration regarding his sentence on a federal conviction for possession of a firearm with an obliterated serial number and an unregistered silencer. He has continued to work for pay. I mean, he wasn't hurting anybody with that bit. Um, now, I will say the obliterated and obliterated serial number screams theft. So yeah. that's suspicious, but ultimately that bit he wasn't. And even distributing just your idiotic fucking ideas, even doing that. Not necessarily anything wrong with that. You're not necessarily hurting anybody. But yes. you are being paid by the government to inform on people. Oh, oh, no, hold on, hold on, hold that, While. Hold, that, hold, that hold that thought. Sutter, the, 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 the snitch, is a former high-ranking member of the Aryan Nations who was arrested in 2003. Oh, of course. According to the court records, he, quote, knowingly possessed a firearm with an obliterated serial number. As with the CI in the cold case, Sutter's gun had a silencer. He served a brief stint in federal prison in Georgia, but got out in 2004. So he was on, in prison as a member of the Aryan Brotherhood for less than a year. And but then he got kicked right back it, out again. If I'm not mistaken, isn't the penalty for an un, for a firearm with an obliterated serial number and an unregistered suppressor something like 10 years? Unregistered suppressor should keep you in prison way longer than that. Something like that, yeah. So essentially what I'm hearing is this guy cut a deal with the feds to be a snitch in order to get out that's yes. what i'm hearing yes that your government is paying for while he prints nazi yeah. the government he is paying yeah, known nazi and avowed fucking nazi armed avowed armed nazi. avowed nazi <laughs> to get out of prison and they're paying him money to be a snitch well this isn't the first time shit well, like this has happened i mean in in uh in west germany there was, uh, and after the unification of Germany, there was, um, um, oh, I don't remember the name of the organization, but there was a neo-Nazi organization that was assassinating at random Jewish store owners. And uh, one of them was working as a CI for German secret police the entire time and never gave them anything. While yeah. he, and they kept paying him thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars which he used to purchase illegal weapons to be able to keep assassinating people yeah uh after leaving prison sutter returned to south carolina moved into a trailer owned by his father and married a woman named jillian hoy the director of martinet press which publishes a pantheon of esoteric and apocalyptic occult neo-nazi literature the books martinet press publishes tend to be a nihilistic jargon-filled and fictional they advocate for a world where the strong destroy society and usher in the collapse of civilization. 
You know what's weird is I think I know her relatives. Okay. I, I actually think I know her relatives. The name Martinette Press and Jillian Hoy rings a bell. I think I actually know her fucking relatives. That is really creepy. Yeah. I had no idea that that's what that was. That's your uh, that's your tax dollars at work, people. Yeah, paying someone who's and this isn't even just regular Nazi propaganda, right? This is the hardcore occult, the kind of shit that the SS like did and everything mm-hmm. and like worshipped and like this is hardcore occulty Nazi crazy. Uh, it's, it's it's far enough out there that he was able to get in with Autofaffen enough that he was able to snitch on them. Yeah. Right, and I just, I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah, like the guy selling the Turner Diaries on eBay, he's not going to get connected with Otto Waffen in any way. But this yeah. guy was selling stuff hard enough that <laughs> he got connected with Otto Waffen. Well, yeah, it said, what about Lieber 33, or 333, <laughs> that it's a, uh, let's go back to that, where is it? It says, it's a... Book about a satanic cult roaming a post-apocalyptic America, which opens with the scene of a child being murdered. Yeah. And there is a... Tax dollars at work, America. There is a picture at the top of the article here of of the... From the the Temple of Blood. They have a tumbler because, of course, they fucking do. (laughs) Um, Jesus. It says it's from the uh, Temple of Blood tum- Tumblr, but it's it is the like the cover of the book, and uh, that yeah. is uh, that is an upsetting thing. Yes, that is not fucking okay, man. Like that's your, that's your tax dollars at work. Yeah, and you're paying over a hundred grand to this piece of subhuman fucking shit to yes. keep putting this shit out. Just because he's snitching on these other motherfuckers who may or may not even be doing a goddamn thing to anyone. They're suspected domestic terrorists. So are we. I wasn't going there, but yeah, probably. Look at your hat. But I mean, you're a domestic terrorist. I know. I know. You you deserve a red check mark. (laughs) Are you kidding me? If I got a red check mark for every single patch that I had that said anything about government being terrible. I have, I have, I I have, a, few. have a name. All I would have is red fucking check marks. Let's see. I feel, I, I, exactly, like, I feel personally attacked by that wall right there. <laughs> I have a few. Yeah. I feel, you know, I feel like Prince when he changed his name to the symbol, like it would just be red check marks and you just go, eh. like that's, that's how you say my name. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what, that's favorite. what I don't I don't want to, I don't want a name. I just want to be the sound of the 22 <laughs> train whistle suppressor. <laughs> <laughs> See, like I at least have some redeeming qualities because I have that patch. That's my ass, bro. Stop. Right. <laughs> no, oh, you know, Peter, the, the 22 train re- train whistle suppressor sounds interesting. Yeah, exactly. Morally yeah. flexible. Um, but I really want the other one Andrew was talking about, where you can put it on like a 338 wind mag that just slowly releases the pressure. So, 
Yeah, I just because you know we all had those, right? Like we all got those. Um, especially if you, especially if you went to school, like elementary school in Wisconsin, oh. you went to the the train museum, and so everybody got the train whistles, and so we'd all blow on them and everything. So can you imagine being in the woods, being ambushed, <laughs> and constantly hearing? <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody drops, you you know like you would have is make it just sound Maddie's train horn. So every time somebody drops, <laughs> just imagine Natty's Natty's after after hiking through the woods all day long, trying to run from people. They're just they're eating their beans. All of a sudden, the can of beans explodes, and they just hear. <laughs> Their kid would have one of those whistles and blow it, and they'd just like it'd be like the Vietnam choppers thing for a second. <laughs> oh. Give me that. Tosses it to the fireplace. <laughs> oh, Why, Daddy, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> oh, we need to show that to Trashman and get him to start making some memes about it. <laughs> On I <really> fire. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta do a welcome to the boog one with the with the train whistle now. That's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so great. It's such a wonderful idea. <laughs> and everyone keeps pointing out it's not a suppressor. It's a it's it's a report enhancer. Mm-hmm. It makes it more interesting. It just what's what's the other one? Didn't um oh, who who was it? One of the uh, the bigger companies. Um, made one and it was a cone that that went that it, it fit on a washer that went behind the brake and it like it, instead of instead of the the sound distributing 360 degrees the sound was focused forward and it made it like extra loud like it like it literally increased the decibels well yeah the uh the like the Nevesky flaming pig is like that their flame shield their their blast shield where it'll focus it all down yeah you have one yeah, I've got one on this. You can see how it's kind of uh-huh. pointing everything out that direction. No, no, no. This, this was, this was like a, literally. It looked like like a, a coffee cup that you put around. I've got around. one of those. So, not here. It's so it didn't. So what you're saying is it didn't just focus the sound downrange. It actually made it even louder and downrange. Yes. Just yes. arbitrarily, just for fucking with people. Yes. Yeah, so like just, it was. Burr. It was. It was designed like to to focus the muzzle blast forward right so like if you're laying next to somebody you're not going to kick up dust and debris in their face yeah well it's the same thing as the as what he's got and is the, yeah, the nuveski flaming like, pig and stuff is, yeah there's no openings around the outside of that they're all in the front yeah i shot this actually today without without ear pro on it with that i sent you guys a picture of what that yeah, looks the, like what's left of the groundhog or ground squirrel fireball yeah. Um, so. No, there really wasn't much of a fireball, but I got 1,400 feet per second out of a 180 grain projectile, and uh, ten, mil- ten mil, right? Ten millimeter, yeah. And uh, I, it was hearing safe for me standing right behind it. So. Yeah, in front of it's so. not hearing safe, although it's not safe <laughs> in general at all. It could. It, it, it <laughs> sucked being in front of it, but behind it, where I was standing, you know, show using it that that didn't bother me. my ears didn't ring at all so all right where do you guys want to go you want to go to north carolina Let's go to north yeah carolina. i was gonna say we should do the north carolina one because this one like just 
yeah. infuriates me on a level that is difficult to explain. I, That's why you're the perfect person to read it. Uh, I was drained thousand pound trailer when the the articles were posted so i didn't get a chance to look at any of them oh you'll like this one mm. Oh, mm. really do i need to refill oh. my drink before we start this uh you might want you to, might want to and you might want to take right, a few i'm shows. gonna show everybody what i'm drinking tonight then because uh, nice and got, manly with the pink moscato i got, uh, I got, iced, I got iced tea with no sugar i drank oh, all my beer for a week you guys you guys will love mine mine is called War Pigs. Nice. Oh, it's and, from Salmon Pants, which I and, and appreciate. Andrew, you make fun of me for the pink Moscato, but I can get 34 glasses of wine out of this $13 box. Okay. And 12 glasses of wine, you say? Yes. <laughs> my glass looks like this. It's just it's my coffee cup, you know. You're still you're still drinking pink wine from a box, Christopher. Yeah, I'm just pointing out. I'm saying I'm saying I mean you could you could you can go the whole Thomas Sowell economics argument for that, which is fine. I'm I'm not I'm not I, I can't take that away day. from you. I can't take that away from you. But at the end of the day, you're still drinking pink, pink wine, wine from a box. Hey, I am secure enough in my masculinity that it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's 2021. It's 2020. Hey, um, it's 2021. You can you can identify as whatever you want. I'm okay with that. All all I can I, think of is that that scene of Aquatine. This is a this is a non this is a non discriminatory podcast. Yeah, all, all I can think of is is that scene in Aquatine Hunger Force with the Moonanites, where where Meatwad's like, "Where's my whiskey? I'm gonna get tore up." And they're like, "Yes, we should acquire some cheap boxed wine on the way to the mall, and you can pass out in the hot sun." <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's get an article. Damn it! That was <laughs> all right, all right, hour and a half ends. Let's uh, is that all? Long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the longtime owner of a gun show in eastern North Carolina spent three months in prison in 2005 after getting busted for selling and buying guns without a license. After Which his release, is, is an infringement. Yep. After his release, he went right back to running his gun show. So, and and it's it's a such an infringement. We'll get there, I think. Uh, Sherwood Watson Caraway was sentenced Tuesday to one year and one day in prison after he pled guilty to owning firearms as a convicted felon, prosecutors in the Eastern District of North Carolina said. Caraway uh, was also ordered to surrender all of his guns and ammunition. The 62-year-old had been the owner and registered agent of S&D Show Promotions since 1993, state records show. S&D is a gun and knife show production company operating out of Eastern North Carolina. Prosecutors said Caraway sold his interest in the gun shows after he pleaded guilty last year. Defense attorneys representing Caraway did not immediately respond to McClatchy News' request for comment on Tuesday, and Caraway could not be reached for comment. According to federal court filings, Caraway was charged in 2005 with selling firearms without a license. He pled guilty and was sentenced to three months in prison with two years of supervised release. Caraway apologized to the court during his sentencing hearing in November 2005 saying what he did was wrong but not intentional because he thought he didn't need a license to quote buy sell and trade to enhance his own collection end quote which legally you don't correct yeah you know, I, I the would only like guns yeah the only guns that he ever bought or sold were to and from his own collection otherwise he just facilitated the show 
like rostered nothing but run a website. Right. You know, there was a gun show here in my little tiny 1500 person town that I went down to yesterday. My last were, last last gun show here, seven vendors. There were the the venue could only hold nine vendors. Okay, that's how small of the venue was here. But that place was fucking packed. Mm-hmm. Like it was you could not hardly walk amongst the tables because people were crammed in there so bad. That's why I don't go to gun shows is because my anxiety gets so bad that I like I can't I can't do it. To give you an idea of the craziness that was happening, there was a guy that walked through the door with a Mosin that was I looked at it. I was like, you know, I'll take a look at it and see he had none of the serial numbers matched. It was an M44 Mosin and there was a guy that paid him $500 cash for a non-complete mystery gun. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. But I mean, so this is, this is all this guy did, right? He said, uh, I love guns and I collect. He said, in fact, I've got 42 of them in my safe or had 42 of them. Like all he was doing, the only guns that he actually himself bought or sold he kept were possession of collection. or were from yeah his personal collection he Which never perfectly legal yeah he never actually bought or sold any guns as a dealer at all whatsoever he just happened to also run the gun show which the state objected to it says prosecutors however rebuffed the idea that caraway didn't know what he was doing when he reportedly sold guns to undercover agents saying he knows what he's doing is illegal um he is a gun dealer. He needs a license. He can't get one now, prosecutors said during the hearing. The government would like a judgment fashioned in such a way that this man can't do what he so desperately wants to do, deal in guns. He has no intention of giving up the gun show. He expects to run these things on and on. That's exactly what Caraway did, prosecutors said Tuesday. He's not, but he's not. He's buying and selling guns from people. He's buying guns. For, using for his, them for his personal collection for his personal collection buy, buying and, and he, selling for his personal collection while yeah, also right. separately yeah running the gun show yeah what he's doing is setting up an event the vendors are buying and selling the vendors are doing all of that all mm-hmm. he is doing is securing a venue and producing advertising that is what he's doing but that is he it didn't have the magic permit but because he didn't have a license to buy and sell guns, which again he wasn't fucking doing. On that's a commercial, on, he wasn't commercially doing. He wasn't doing it commercially. Yeah, he wasn't. He so wasn't in the business of buying and selling guns. Yeah. What he was in the business of was promoting shows. Well, yeah. To be mm-hmm. in the business of buying and selling guns, you actually have to have some sort of a storefront per se well you have to to conduct business from you have to be doing business in a way you have to be doing your primary business needs to be buying and selling firearms that's what it's supposed to be which it obviously wasn't yeah which it wasn't but that's not the way they're looking at um investigators determined caraway continued to run snd gun and knife shows in north carolina after his conviction and kept multiple guns at his home in Merritt, a small coastal community in pamlico county 
his role in the business was no secret. Caraway was cited in multiple news articles over the years talking about the shows. In 2009, he told WECT about an uptick in business at one of his shows after former President Barack Obama was elected. Caraway was also interviewed by Time Magazine in 2016 after Obama took executive action to close loopholes that allow guns to be sold at gun shows without a mandatory background check, which is not really a loophole. That's just the law and fuck you. Um, Personal sales quote, commercial sales. Yeah, right. quote, I don't know what Obama's trying to do. He said in the interview, there's enough rules and regulations on the books right now to take care of what needs to be taken care of. The gun shows ain't the problem and the gun stores ain't the problem. Around the same time, an article in Grenville's Daily Reflector described S&D as, quote, one of the largest promoters of gun shows in eastern North Carolina with 25 shows annually. Promoters. Promoters. The business does not buy or sell firearms. That is not what they do. No, they're promoting a venue that's hosting the gun show. Yeah, they schedule venues, they reserve the venues, they uh, get vendors there, they uh, create promotional material. That is what they do. None of the gun sales are them. No. Uh, Prosecutors, and this is where things get just fucking insane. Oh, God. Prosecutors said detectives with the Pamlico County Sheriff's Office searched Caraway's house in September 2017 and found, quote, numerous rifles, shotguns, and handguns, along with thousands of rounds of ammunition. This is the part. This is the part. (laughs) Right fucking here. They also found 33 guns at his daughter's house that were previously stored at Caraway's, according to the release. But they're his daughter's firearms. Yes. Yes, they are. They're his They're daughter's hers. weapons. They're nobody else's firearms but hers. She he happens had... to be a firearms enthusiast with a collection of 39 firearms. She, yeah, so he transferred, legally transferred ownership and possession of the weapons to her. That's what he did. As he was ordered to do, he gave them to her. But because she is his daughter... They confiscated her guns because they used to be his. So they infringed upon her rights because her father was supposedly a criminal. Yes. Supposedly. Because, because he was, supposedly. He, no, he was, he was legally a criminal. Not morally yeah. a criminal. He was Not legally, morally. He was legally a uh, criminal. And, and be, that's why I say supposedly, because he didn't no, actually that's... have any victims. No. <laughs> 90, no, like 95% of the crimes don't have any victims. Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> but I just, but still, that, yeah. reading that drove me just over the fucking, oh. like, are you kidding me? They were hers. He gave them to her. He's like, hey, I can't have these anymore. You take them. Gave them to her. They're her guns now. And because they used to be his. They confiscated them. They confiscated them. Yes. The Second Amendment is long fucking dead, especially in the American South. And if you think otherwise, you are deluded as fuck. No, I don't even say especially in the American South. Because the American South, while obviously a, a, a case study in absolute tyranny, especially from a, a cop perspective, it's nationwide. I mean, oh, yeah. you hear about the shit happening 
coast to fucking coast Mm -hmm. from the Canadian border to the Mexico. There was a story not too different from this in goddamn Texas like three months ago. One of the, one of the, the, the other big article that I have is about Missouri, Missouri. Yep. Um, the, 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 the Missouri government passed a law signed, signed into law by the governor that, uh, declares federal gun regulations invalid, right? Mm-hmm. It's, essentially it's, it's a second amendment, uh, sanctuary bill, um, state and, and local employees aren't allowed to collaborate with the federal government, um, re- in regards to, to firearms, right. right? The federal government sued the state of Missouri over this law because there's it, a shock. Because it keeps the government from enforcing the federal yeah. gun laws that are on the books. Every single one of which is an infringement, of course. Well, that's, right. and that's it's, something... It's the same thing that happened in Kansas a couple of years ago. The, the, the part I was getting to is, is the judge in Missouri where the, the federal government filed, filed against... Uh, against the state of Missouri, uh, the judge in, in Missouri um, is not going to block the law declaring federal gun regulations invalid. So the judge the judge ruled in favor of the law in the state in the, the the law within the state. Well, it's almost yeah, like the Tenth Amendment is supposed to be a thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the yeah, thing but this is, is this is this is the federal government suing the state government because the state oh, is no longer enforcing well there's yeah and, and keep in mind you know and i've i've brought this up on the show before though i've brought this up on the show before where i've pointed out that the what you need to remember because when when kansas did this we brought this up and i talked about it that you have to remember that yes. federal agencies uh, the, don't have the kind of manpower to yes, actually yes. enforce there's there's their what, like what like like 5500 5, total atf personnel and like yeah like yeah, yeah. 80, like 80% of those are, are are clerks and 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 whatnot. They're yeah, not actual yeah. like they're not actually they depend. Leaders. Yeah, they depend entirely on local law enforcement's cooperation and assistance in order to do most of what they do. So what Kansas and Missouri and I think Kentucky's threatened to do it um, if they haven't uh, already. Idaho, Idaho has one. Idaho Idaho has one that recently went into effect. They had one from before, but they strengthened it earlier this year. Uh, Montana has one. Texas, Texas, Texas has one. Texas has one in regards to suppressors. Yep. Not mm-hmm. all fire, but suppressors. Um, and then I think uh, Wyoming has one going working through. Oh God, Wyoming! That doesn't surprise me in Wyoming. I think yeah. is in the process too. But I mean, that's so. What's happening is that the states are remembering that the Tenth Amendment exists. Yes. And. Probably. They are going, hey, wait a minute, my my local law enforcement within the state is under no obligation to enforce federal laws. That's up to the federal government. They're the ones required to enforce federal yep. laws, not us. So they're just banning their local law enforcement from helping. The ATF does not have the manpower to enforce these laws, which is why the federal government is now suing because they're pissed off because they re- they know they cannot possibly actually do as much infringement as they want without the cooperation of local law enforcement. And again, the fact that it's local law enforcement who does most of the enforcement for them should tell you something about your local fucking law enforcement. Yes. Oh, yeah. The local fucking cops will do anything and everything to make themselves feel big and superior in the eyes of their federal fucking cohorts. So, all right, let's, uh, I just mentioned this one real quick. 
Um, Sri Lanka has banned people from riding elephants while drunk. So there's a load now, of bullshit. Now, who the fuck is going to bring my elephant home when I ride it to the bar? Seriously. When, am I, when other time am I, what other time other than when I'm drunk, am I going to ride my elephant? I have a car right. if I'm the, sober. The elephant, I need the elephant when I'm drunk. Me, the elephant will bring me home when I'm drunk because it never fucking forgets. Well, yeah, the elephant's sober. <laughs> I'm the one who's drunk. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it knows where I live. Fantastic. It knows where I'm oh going. God. Just let the elephant bring me fucking home. Why are you arresting me? That's are you afraid I'm going to get into a car accident with a fucking elephant? Yeah, I'm not going to get into a car accident. I'm going to do an elephant accident. There's no law against that. I mean, if this elephant <laughs> runs I mean, into my let's, elephant, let's, let's who the fuck is going to get out? I'm not the one driving. <laughs> yeah, the elephant. Exactly. If, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm riding an elephant, I'm not the one driving. Well, yeah. and... And, you know, if this, like I said, if this elephant crashes into this elephant, who's fucking at fault? The elephant or the driver? Yeah, the elephants. I really feel like they're, they got minds of their own. They know. They really? know what's going on. Stop. I mean, and if this elephant gets hit by a car, the car is going to suffer more damage than the fucking elephant. It's, I mean, who's who's riding an elephant sober is my question. Like, there aren't that many people that can possibly be sober. I sure be like, tourists. Yeah. I mean, tourists. Would be doing it. I mean, Taurus, honestly, Taurus are going to be the ones riding the elephants. But <coughs> I mean, we can't ride ours now. And yeah, what am I supposed to do with this elephant now? I spent a bunch of money on this fucking elephant while I was in Sri Lanka, specifically you know, so that I could get back to my hotel here. I had to get this elephant. So now, what am I supposed to fucking do with the elephant? All right, like, look at what you've done to me. Now I'm going to have to get rid of this elephant. I'm going to have to find something else. You know, Enterprise did not have any compact sedan. I yeah, had they, the elephant. They said they were going to pick me up. But they never picked me up. You know who did? The elephant. So, God damn it. Don't deny me my elephant. Now, yeah. if there are two people on the elephant oh, and one of them is drunk and one of them sober, who is considered the driver? The elephant is still the, yeah, the elephant's still the one that's driving. <laughs> They're saying that you can't be drunk while riding oh. your. But I mean, if you're riding you know, an the, the worst, the worst part is, is, is you leave the bar, right? You take a handful, you take a a, a pocket full of peanuts from the bar. <laughs> yeah. See how convenient this is for everybody. This is right. lovely. I mean, a great setup. Cap- Cabs cost money. Elephants work for peanuts. I'm just, just literally the, for peanuts. The bar, the bar literally gives you free peanuts. It's, it's literally paying for your elephant ride. It might as well be encouraging you. That might as well be a Sri it's Lankan a bar safe ride. Fucking entrapment. Yeah. I was just thinking the fucking uh, safe ride around here because around here, yeah. if one of the first like 15 people on a night that's too drunk to drive home, you go tell the bartender they call a cab, you get a free ride home. Yeah, that's well, you know what it should be. You go to the barrel in the corner, you get a big old sack full of peanuts, and you just throw them in front of the elephant, and he picks them up as you they're walk home. They're practically encouraging you. Yeah, this is totally entrapment, man. Entrapment. This is this is just wrong. This is just wrong. This, you know, if I were the people of Sri Lanka, I would be objecting. There should be a... a Fest Sri Lanka has been canceled as a result of this. I'm sorry, guys. I just, you know, because this is the way my my brain has worked, is now I'm just picturing, like, 
elephant gangs, kind of like motorcycle gangs wearing their colors and riding their elephants. <laughs> I told you, the damn elephant never forgets. He knows right. <laughs> Yeah, they actually do forget. They they've done studies and figure they actually do forget, but it takes about twenty years. Oh well, perfect. Well, if I ride the elephant from the hotel and then ride the elephant back to the hotel while I'm drunk, he knows exactly where I'm fucking going. Well, yeah, he knows long, where I need to go. How long you stay at the bar? <laughs> if I've stayed at the bar for twenty years, we have a bigger problem. There's you have a bigger problem. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to lose a liver and a kidney. <laughs> that's oh, that long, I'm pretty that's sure some corneas. Yeah, you're just gonna like visit the bathroom and just shit your liver out at that point. I think it's uh, <laughs> gonna get the worst kind of Shanghai surprise. Yeah, you're gonna be like, well, that's not good. Um, <laughs> he's gonna hop I'm... out, light a cigarette, but again, and be like, but I'm again, gonna fuck but, out of here. But again, he does drink pink wine from a lot. So. Yeah, pink wine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he might fit in. You, you're not allowed. So, Chris, in, in Sri Lanka, you are not allowed to drink your frou-frou pink wine from a box on the back of your elephant. Although it only says drunk, not drinking. It doesn't say so, drinking. It says drunk. So I can put the box on the elephant's head and fill my glass as long as I am not legally intoxicated. We're okay. They don't have an open container law. I really feel like they should be breathalyzing the elephant and all this. It's because if the elephant's drunk, then yes, I can see a problem, a right? very large pachydermian problem. But if if I'm drunk and the elephant's completely sober, who cares? The elephant knows where it's going. It's going to be fine. Uh, Sri, Sri Lanka's Sri Lanka's BAC is uh, 0. 0.06. It's oh, lower than Wisconsin. It's lower than yeah, lower than US, which is 0. 0.08. Uh, God damn. Wow. I, I hit that after like a six pack, but I still feel sober. I'm I mean, thinking, I hit, I that hit that, was, after that would a be, that would be of, one uh, fifth of a box of pink wine for those playing at home. I've, I, I probably hit that after the entire <laughs> bottle of Jameson. He <laughs> <laughs> put the bottle down. I'm not drinking that again. Hey, I still got the box. I'm good. <laughs> I have seen, you know, the sad thing is, is I have seen people walking around with boxes of wine at like Oktoberfest, just with, like boxes of wine that have actually like stapled straps to they, the box. They had, they, they, they put them in backpacks. Yeah, yeah. That's, put them in backpacks like right the, uh, like it's like a camel pack. Yeah, that is. Uh, no, yeah. no. I don't want to admit it, but I may have been that guy once. <laughs> that's uh. Yep, nothing says redneck quite like I have a box of wine in my backpack at the festival. Attached to my camera pose. I mean, what was the one that was, there was speaking that there was a uh, there was a, a video of a guy uh, at the recent festival in in Chicago, and it was um, Lollapalooza or whatever it was that the big music thing that they had. Yep. Um, that where where a guy um, inside the festival, like he he walks to the specific tree. And walks a certain number of steps one direction, a certain number of steps the other direction, stops, bends over, digs a few inches in the ground, and pulls up the, the big handle of vodka that he buried there before the festival. Yep, he went out to the field <laughs> prior to the festival and buried it you so know, that it was there. That makes me think so much back uh, three weeks ago when I volunteered out at a local festival called Ashley for the Arts. <laughs> and I kid you not, I had guys come through the fence 
Now, they were all completely cleared, no carry-ins. They walked 50 paces in down the walkway, took a right, and right next to a tree, one of the guys got on the other guy's shoulder, pulled a 30-pack of beer out of the tree <laughs> that they hid there three days earlier. Yeah. I, okay, I have, to read this tweet real, I have to read this tweet real quick from the homie Joshua Smith. He said, a whole generation of grown-up ravers are not worried about your shaming them for taking horse medicine, I assure you. Yeah, all the ketamine. Yeah, that's uh, it's like that that meme with the 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 people now. You know what whatever it is, the law enforcement is now going to use ketamine darts against uh, <laughs> animals that get too close to civilization or whatever. And it's me. And it's the guy in the lion suit. Like, oh no, oh, I'm too oh, really? <laughs> rawr, rawr. All right, Actually, let's uh, don't do ketamine though. That's, <laughs> all right, let's let's wrap it up and get out of here before uh. We reached the point zero six and can't ride our elephants home. <laughs> Mine's uh, outside for me. Yes. And the damn wars, first of all. Yes, and the damn wars.org. Uh, that is the homie uh, Magnus Panvidia and some of the OG Assange uh, Freedom Fighters put that together. They're having a huge march uh, on 9 11, uh, the 20th anniversary in DC. There's also marches happening in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Scottsdale, there's one uh, Portland or Seattle, whatever. There's another one in Colorado. Uh, go to inthedamwars.org uh, for more information on that, and follow In the Damn Wars on Twitter. Yep. Uh, yeah. Buy their merch. I'm planning on buying one of their shirts. I yes. was on his 12-hour podcast last night. Um, and a couple actually times. got requested to bring him back. Yeah, right. to to come That's back for some reason. The fact that anybody was, actually wants to hear from Andrew, I don't know. I was, I I was know. in the comments YouTube. singing the praise. Yeah, there was. I mean, there were people that I'd never heard of on Twitter asking for me back too, well, like was, in several of them. And I would have loved to have watched that, but I was too busy, you know, drinking it, and playing cribbage with my it's father. Up. It's up. It's, it's up. It's up on YouTube. YouTube. You can go back and you can watch. It on I don't YouTube know if I YouTube. have twelve hours to dedicate. You don't have to watch. The no, no, no. I was, I was, uh, I was on part three. Um, part three? Okay. The, the end of part three. Your, your seventh? Yeah, it was. Well, it was like the end of part three, I think, if he said, if I remember correctly. And it was the beginning of the final part of part four at the yeah. very end um, that I was on um, talking about my time as a, a PMC and uh, going through some of the what happens in wars in the deep dark corners behind closed doors and things and what it really yeah. looks like on the ground. We're going we're gonna to go over here, but I'm going to say, I know we don't we didn't have anything on the docket for Afghanistan. Dude, I am so sa- oversaturated with Afghanistan. I understand that. I understand that. But I want to tell everybody, if, if voluntarism slash anarchism is really what you want, what you espouse for, reach out to your local... Refugee groups, get yourself on their lists, fill out their applications, go through their background checks, and get your ass in the pipeline to help these Afghans that are being brought to the States. My wife and I I have our interview with the local organization tomorrow evening. You know, it's a video conference interview. And what we then get is a pass to go out to the local military base where they're housing about 10,000 at this point to 
distribute food, blankets, clothing. If there's unaccompanied minors, we can actually take them in. Step up to the plate. Help these fucking people that need your goddamn help. Don't sit there and say, I wish somebody would fucking do something. Fucking do something. You are somebody. You are action. Be the change you want to see. All right. Throw your plugs. Let's get here. Uh, Buy Derica's book. Buy her crochet pattern. She wasn't here again because she doesn't like us. I, you know, I'm I'm starting to think it's me. I'm honestly starting to think it's me. Because ever since I came on, her and participation has gone way down. Two out. It's two hours of staring at this. That's what it is. No, it, 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 <laughs> that's, it. that's why. That's why she uses her phone. So it's a tiny little picture. She doesn't have to look at this. She. she but the thing is, is we all know she wants Andrew to join her and her husband. It's you and I. That she <laughs> wants nothing to do. All right. Nothing else. Anybody else? Going once. Going twice. Oh boy, that threw me off. Um, We're gonna uh, break. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, check out thebeardstruggle.com if you want cool beard products uh, that work really well. They smell fantastic. They just introduced a couple new scents, and they work absolutely fabulously. It's thebeardstruggle.com, and if you use code Inked Anarchist fifteen at checkout, you save yourself fifteen percent. Also, check out uh, Avante Creo. Excuse and uh, shop valerio.com and use code inkedanarchist25 save yourself 25% on a bunch of cool streetwear watches, sunglasses, all sorts of cool fashion stuff. Also, I'm not getting paid anything, but you need to check out uh, our friend Luna's uh, The Bad Moon Hemp and uh, make sure that you use that beard oil. The beard oil will change your fucking beard forever for the better. I cannot rave enough about it. It is absolutely fantastic again she hasn't given me jack for this um not that i would say no to uh some free beard oil crystal but uh <laughs> it if is you it want is me to put, if you so want me to push your products hey you know how to reach out to me mm-hmm. i'm uh, just saying that stuff man i'm telling you that the cowboy scent is fantastic it's this great hemp oil that just will make your beard permanently so much softer so much greater absolutely worth it definitely check her out so that's note uh we are all caught up on odyssey odyssey's uploading all our (sighs) podcasts for us and um yeah go check us out there also on rumble and then uh, on rumble on that note Christopher has shared the picture of the ground squirrel that he hit with the 10 mil and it looks like it's two pieces. So fatality. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it but, there were two, but there were when you shot, when skin. you shot, there was no food at the end. So yeah, which is a little disappointing. No, which is very disappointing, so. but there was a pink mist. Oh, yeah. lo- lovely. All right. On that note, support your local gorilla and, uh, We'll catch you on the next time. Peace. Peace.